Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Today's daf is being taught by Justin David, the rabbi of Congregation B'nai Israel in Northampton, Mass. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Justin David and this daf is Shabbat 120. Behind these discussions about what to save and what not to save from a fire on Shabbat is a critical question left unanswered. Why not just put out the fire? After all, if we are permitted to extinguish a candle if it causes harm to a sick person on Shabbat, as stated in an earlier Mishnah, why not just put out the fire that can harm a person? Now, one reading is simply that um, the rabbis here are dealing with a fire that uh, wouldn't uh, be so dangerous, and perhaps uh, everybody is out of harm's way, and they're just talking about saving property. That certainly is a good uh, normative reading of this text. But I'm going to go out on a limb and talk about something else. I'm going to say that the rabbis are are reluctant to put out the fire, not because they're necessarily so pious about observing the boundaries of Shabbat and carrying, but rather in order to make a statement about the roles of human agency and free will. But to get there, I'll have to ask you to bear with me for a little bit. First, we see on this stuff that the rabbis do permit the extinguishing of a fire, but only if it is done by indirect means. You can't throw water on it, but you can try to contain it, and if the means to contain the fire extinguish the fire, so be it. For example, we see in the Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon ben Nana said, one may spread a goatskin over a box, chest, or trunk which has caught fire, and one may make a barrier with all vessels, whether full of water or empty, that the fire should not travel onward. Now, Rabbi Yossi uh, disagrees with this and forbids in the case of new earthen vessels filled with water, because since they cannot stand the heat, they will burst and extinguish the fire. So that's the Mishnah. The Gemara continues to clarify that in this Mishnah, the first authority, Shimon ben Nanus, would certainly permit making a barrier with vessels filled with water, and if they extinguish the fire, it, it extinguishes the fire, so be it. And continuing, the Gemara demonstrates that a consensus exists among sages throughout the generations that one may indirectly extinguish a fire if the original intent is actually just to contain the fire. The distinction they make is that it is permissible to take actions that are considered gerem kibui, or potentially causing the extinguishing of a fire, as opposed to straight-up kibui, or extinguishing, which they do not permit. Which, of course, brings us back to the original question. If human life is at stake, or at least in possible danger, why not just put out the fire? With respect to the idea of indirect action, the Gemara, in discussing certain kinds of damages in, in another tractate in Baba Kama, distinguishes between matters that can be adjudicated by human beings and matters that can only be adjudicated by heaven. The latter category applies to damages which may have been intentional, but the evidence serves only that they occurred as a result of indirect action. For example, if someone leaves a bowl of poison at the edge of his field, and a neighbor's sheep eats it and dies, we can only prove that the first person was the indirect cause, and not that he killed his neighbor's sheep intentionally. Since in this case a human court can't know what's in the mind of a human being, only God can adjudicate such a case. The sense of acting on what we can't control 
and standing back in the face of what we can't control, uh, takes on particular significance when we, pair, when we compare the two types of extinguishing that the Gemara talks about on Shabbat, trying to bring it all back home. Intentional extinguishing is done when a person is sick, whereas indirect extinguishing is permitted in the case of a fire which happens by accident. Dealing with these scenarios involves a bit of a cognitive shift. Whereas we believe that illness is something, be, whereas we in our time believe that illness is something beyond our uh, control, for the rabbis, illness was an experience that fit within the scheme of reward and punishment, giving us the ability to intervene and control the outcome. In the rabbinic mindset, an illness may befall a person as punishment for their misdeeds, giving them the opportunity to do tshuva. In, a, in another context, an illness might actually be what's called a chastisement of love, which is to say a person might have not might not have any misdeeds, and so that person might be visited with an illness as a way for them to experience suffering in this world so that they may merit their place in the world to come. And so on Shabbat, we are permitted to extinguish a candle if it harms a sick person, not only to ameliorate suffering, but also perhaps as a symbolic reminder that in matters of life and death, our moral agency means something. It can have an impact on both our lives in this world and in the next. However, a fire is a different story. A fire, unlike an illness, is experienced as an accident, something outside the realm of human or even divine control, at least once it starts. There's a famous piece of the Gemara at the end of Tractate Brachot that says we should not say a meaningless prayer. And, of course, the rabbis ask, what is a meaningless prayer? They tell us, if one is walking home and hears that there is a fire on one street, a person should not say, may it be God's will that it's not my house burning. With the accident already in motion, there's nothing humans or God can do to take it back. The best we can do is contain the damage. And so in our Gemara on Shabbat, we contain but do not directly extinguish a fire, not because to do so would violate the sanctity of Shabbat or the boundaries or what have you, but again, perhaps to symbolically remind ourselves of what we do not control and what cannot be controlled at all. And perhaps that recognition is at the heart of Shabbat itself. For six days we exhaust ourselves in our pursuit of mastery over the world, over other people, and over ourselves. But on Shabbat, we relinquish control, or rather, we give up the illusion that we have any control, any dominion over anything. Instead, we set up the Eruv, prepare the food, light the fire, the candles, and allow ourselves to be acted upon. For a day, we free ourselves from the myth that we are the center of the universe. Instead, we welcome the experience that we are part of something much greater, that inherent in us is the stuff that is inherent in all creation, giving us cause for celebration, joy, and a renewed spirit. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.